to me it seems like americans are less intellectual because they're so limited to their own culture they think they're on top of the world the u.s is not this magical place where you uh, get off the plane and then you get a million dollars because you've landed like there's more opportunities in canada because it's more undiscovered What have you learned about running a business at such a young age, Matt? No, I just sadly, I noticed that a lot of people, they underestimate, um, they underestimate you based on how you look. So if you appear to be younger, they think that you're less experienced and that's true to some extent, but at the same time, I believe um, that can hinder your progress just because you feel this imposter syndrome that uh, you're not qualified just because you're young or something. Just because uh, people who are successful that you see online, that you see in your feed are older and more mature looking. Uh, and that's one of the you know, like kind of like imposter syndrome um, aspects that get imposed onto you from uh, the outside world. That's something I learned that um, kind of like gave me this, um, stopped me from moving forward as fast as I could have. Um, really? Another thing, yeah, another thing I would share would be um, starting a business when you're in your uh, early 20s or me, I was uh, 19 when I first started out. Um, it takes quite a lot of um, learning in terms of, how to make mistakes and then get up again to see what went wrong. So it's like this um, diagram I, I learned from Ray Dalio uh, where something happens, you basically fail, and then uh, the core is to learn what went wrong to uh, adjust in the next version and then do it again, do it again. That's what I briefly mentioned before we started that I noticed that it's not really working out the way I was expecting it to. So now it's time to alternate to, to do version two, three, four, and five. So yeah, those are probably the two biggest aspects. Is that kind of intimidating for you? Like, was it intimidating for you at first to learn about like what failure was, how to kind of incorporate it into a strategy rather than thinking of it as like an insurmountable boundary for you? Yeah, of course, it took time because uh, at the end of the day, you're playing with your ego. You know, you think that uh, the first thing you do has to be successful because you put right. so much energy toward it. But the world doesn't care about the energy you put in. It cares about the value you can get from it, you know. And after all, like I said, it's it's all about getting um, outsider feedback, getting a feedback from your customers, from your users, uh, that's what I learned myself, and I learned that success lies uh, where you start listening to what people have to say, rather than having to impose uh, your own uh, belief of success onto your product, like thinking that, oh, because I think it's the way it's supposed to be, this is the right version, but obviously if it fails, you have to adjust, and I'm fine with that in over time, but uh, of course, first uh, the first time I started, it was uh, like an ego game, I think. For sure. And you talked about pivoting. And I think that it leads into my next question, which is during the pandemic, everybody had to pivot. It seems like everybody was forced to kind of um, reconfigure the way that they thought, reconfigure the lifestyles that they led and, and they kind of forced them into a box, which they had to transcend. So in your case, and this is the same for me, like I, I started writing about artificial intelligence during the pandemic, and it just completely shifted my mindset on what I value and the kind of ethics I hold. So for you, what did you learn during the pandemic? And I know that we talked before, you started 
Prime Canada during the pandemic, if I remember correctly. So, so what right. was that? What was that like? What struggles did you face during the pandemic? Was it a kind of like a lot of external, um, like input and output, or was it just like you built from the bottom up? I think we need to break it down into two parts, like uh, the sure. first half of the pandemic and then the the second half, because the second half, that's when the war in Ukraine started. And then the first half is when the pandemic uh, hit. So uh, when it first started, I thought it was uh, a blessing because I never had the time to start building my community. And I really wanted to start as soon as I could. But then um, schoolwork, um, my part time job and then something else always got in the way versus the pandemic started. I ordered the equipment and I just told myself that I'm going to commit to one video a week on YouTube long format and uh, see how I can benefit others with the mistakes I made so they can avoid them. And for me, that was my immigrant community. And now I built the largest community of international students in Canada at about 200,000, 250,000 members across different platforms. But, you know, I started from zero and I remember how it took me like six months to get to, I think, 200 or 300 subscribers. But again, uh, I think it was very bad. And the problem that I had is um, I had to learn how to iterate, how to um, notice small feedback points from my audience that would tell me, oh, the audio is back on the technical side or um, the way you explained this didn't make sense. So how can I go back to the drawing board and re-script, uh, make a different script uh, that makes more sense, maybe bring more analogies, those small incremental things that make uh, a bigger picture. I think when you start anything new, it's kind of like you're pushing this rock that's like um, square shape shape uh, up the hill but then over time you shape it into like this rounded rock so you you curve the edges and then eventually it becomes easier and the hill becomes um either uh, you know the the degree goes down or uh, it just becomes less stiff for you to do it um so yeah i think it's it's the first half where i i thought it was great but then i had to learn how to again ego game i had to learn how to not um think myself that the content is great but rather listen to my audience and then the second half was uh, when i started getting some success i had quit my job at that time i worked at ikea minimum wage it was so crazy but you know eventually over i think it was a year and i started making money i started getting uh customers uh, to our immigration company and then eventually Mm, I think when the war in Ukraine started, that was like a different type of challenge because my family's there. So I um, I had my mom over for like six months. And because of the news and everything that was happening, I had to set office hours. I was like, you know, right. from this time to this time I work, like I uh, put on the focus mode on my phone and my iPad and then nothing can really disturb me because it's just too much to let that distraction, let that um, unprecedented time really get to you in a way where it ruins the progress you've made. I, I want to get to the war in Ukraine because I know it had a pretty significant effect on you. But just to detail what you were talking previously about the kind of you use the criticism or I guess the the constructive feedback that you got from your audience to better yourself and to better your platform. How did you use like how did you interpret it as like as constructive and not hate. I feel like it's it's a very fine line, especially on these social platforms where people just say whatever they want. 
Um, and I've, I've, you know, dealt with that too, where it's people like give you some advice, but that's also like, it's kind of like a backhand, it's like, you know, a backhanded compliment. So how did you deal with um, breaking into that space and dealing with getting better, but also responding to your audience's inquiries? We spoke about it during our first meeting, I remember. And um, something that I think to myself is, let's say you're walking on the street and uh, a random homeless person uh, yells something at you, maybe like a, a slur or something, whatever, uh, because the value they bring is so little that it doesn't matter what they say. At least that's what it is to me. Like it just, you know, it goes over my head. I don't really care. But then if, for example, it's somebody I look up to or, I don't know, somebody close to me, like my parents, if they criticize me on something, I would probably listen and then it would get to me, uh, no matter if I tried to uh, limit that or not. So I think it's the same concept online. If the person criticizing is not successful, then their value is low. So they have not really much of an impact versus if it's from someone who's accomplished um, the great stuff in your industry and then they say that oh this is kind of bad then I would listen and usually people who are mm, somewhat successful they never criticize without something constructive behind it so mm -hmm. like for example again they could talk about my script but they wouldn't talk about I don't know the way mm, the way I look or something like that right right so you so it, it kind of was based off of the person's persona rather than what they said and that's what you went off of yeah i always separate in terms of the hate comments yeah it's like you know if you ask um i don't know if a five-year-old to explain calculus to you or you ask a professor um they have different <laughs> yeah. value right somebody yeah, yeah. who's or somebody who's done a lot of stuff in it um rather that so again like to me people who have like a username which is like user three to five and then they say something it doesn't really hold any value Right, right. No, that's it's a good mindset. Was this like, did you come into building your platform with this mindset? Or is this something that you realize like, oh, this actually holds no value? It's not a communication of my character. It's just noise. You know, I interestingly had surrounded myself by a lot of different uh, people who are successful in the area I want to be successful in. And I don't think that it's always good like everything has another side to it but um it made me realize that uh because they also spoke about it a lot so before i had started i i had kind of like learned this uh strategy uh they spoke about oh this person said this but then they're irrelevant because they're just not who i want to be around with or who brings me anything of value uh so i think i learned it somewhere but then uh, again it's bad because if you surround yourself with people like that again uh, that's another side of it probably i'm getting sidetracked but uh you eventually start feeling like you're missing out because you have a feed full of achievements like one person is doing that another person is doing that and then you have 10 people and then it looks like you're doing nothing compared to them you know yeah 100 percent uh, then I guess that, that definitely leads into the next question. I guess the biggest question of the podcast, which is you're the founder of I'm Canada and you're also the founder of the newly formed Immigrant Wealth. My first question is why Canada? Uh, what's so great about Canada? What, what made you realize the power and opportunity that Canada has? I think it's so multidimensional. I always um, think to myself after I answer, answer this question because I've been asked this so many times by my audience and other people on different interviews and I feel that 
perhaps have you ever seen a blue rose? I've not. Okay, so I recently learned that blue roses don't exist in nature. They have to be um, essentially manufactured. So they're placed in this liquid with uh, blue dye. So they eventually absorb it and then become kind of blue with that blue tint. So unlike red roses or white roses, they don't exist. They have to be made. They have to be seek. That's why a blue rose means impossible. It symbolizes sense for impossible or hard to find, something like that. So um, it's interesting how that story translates into my journey because I had lived in the U.S. and I would say the U.S. is like a red rose. It's something everybody knows about. It's classic. A lot of immigrants move there. Um, so when I was little, I, I always had this American dream moving to the States. And then when it happened, I, I kind of like, you know, I couldn't stay there, first of all, speaking because of some implications and then over time I could have but then I decided to just drop the idea because it's not essentially what uh, people think it is not necessarily the best country I I had the um, I guess privilege to have compared different um, countries I lived in New Zealand I, I lived in the US Ukraine Europe uh, and I just realized that for me Canada is that blue rose it's hard to find you have to kind of manufacture it just because it's it's not a lot of uh, media around it like Canada is so un underdiscovered I think compared to the states like there's so very little uh, information on it um so do, I do had you have I specific can... examples of of like what kind of comparison like the the undiscovery of Canada compared to the states yeah you know uh on the I guess if you talk about the uh, immigration side of it, among immigrants uh, who are outside both Canada or the U.S., when people talk about Canada, uh, it's always like you know the um, they they say it's it's just like the U.S. but cold or uh, it's okay. Toronto, you know Toronto. This yeah. so, so it's just so so little information, and then it's kind of like also wrong about it that it's like the U.S. or it's somewhat like the U.S. but it's not the U.S. And then it's also, for example, uh, people say like, oh, Canada, like it's hard to um to get a job there to find anything. Things are overpriced. It's hard to like now. There is this uh, around inflation. There's this. I guess, misconception that it's very hard to make it in Canada versus I think uh, it's it's hard to make it anywhere. So the U.S. is not this magical place where you uh, get off the plane and then you get a million dollars because you landed. It's uh, <laughs> different. Like, it's not that. And it's the same anywhere. You need to build for success. You need to um, add value before you can ask for anything for rewards for that value like money or anything else so yeah I think the biggest misconception is probably that in the U.S. it's easy to make it as an immigrant versus Canada is very expensive hard and impossible interesting and and you talked about the experiences in the U.S. that kind of reformulated your plan and pushed you towards towards Canada so was it just the U.S. that pushed you towards Canada or was it your experiences in New Zealand, in Europe, um, in Ukraine as well? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so with the U.S., um, I just I lived in Boise, Idaho, which is not the place I would recommend, essentially. I mean, it was high school. It was like um, no, no offense very... to Idaho. <laughs> no offense, I know. It's very mm, American, like it's very white. So uh, my high school was most like there was, I think, um, out of 2000 people, 
we only had three international students. So it's very, very much the opposite of multicultural. Um, of course, we had different colors and stuff like that, but mostly white, like 80% white. We had some black kids and Latino and stuff, but then uh, so underrepresented and so like little compared to white American. And, you know, it's, I don't mean to sound inconsiderate but then it's still not the environment i would want to be around like that's why i chose canada i think it's one of the biggest benefits is that you develop so um, passively because you're surrounded with with so many cultures that um, by default you learn how the world works from different people like now i know what happened in i don't know iran before 1979 uh, so I'm more like aware of world events versus in the U.S. They think the U.S. is the whole world. And then there's somewhere, uh, there's Canada and then Mexico for vacation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah. And and yeah, that's like the biggest thing for me. A lot of them, it's not everybody. I'm sure like, for example, I visited some bigger cities, Seattle, and um, I've been to Washington, stuff like that. But it's just not as, I guess... I don't want to sound like offensive, but it's it, it, to me, it seems like Americans are less intellectual because they're so limited to their own culture. They think they're on top of the world. And that's the very thing that hinders them. Interesting. And, and so I, I see two parts of this kind of identity that you formed. It's the fact that America, as you said, is in your words, it's limited um, in terms of like their their capacity to recognize other cultures and then you also saw an opportunity in Canada to establish the um, identity of Canada as you know a, a place that's equal if not better than you know places like America you know places in Europe as well um, which is very interesting and when did you see that opportunity what did you live in America and then just look at Canada and like oh okay there's an opportunity here or did you always have that inclination like Canada is that place I just the stars had to align for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Originally, I I had planned to stay in New Zealand. I thought that I would go there to study and eventually like perhaps move to Australia or root down in New Zealand. But then I learned uh, very quickly that it's a small country. There's not a lot of opportunities compared to the market we see in North America. So the U.S. is, you know, known as the biggest um, capitalist society in the world. And it's very like business oriented, even like the way they do healthcare. So as a lot. Um, and that's their nature, which is good and bad. It's good because you have more opportunities to make money, but then it's bad if you're on the other side of it, if if you're not that like business focused and if you want to just have a good life and work for someone, have the security, it's difficult in the US. Uh, versus New Zealand is like very balanced. Um, it's 5 p.m. every Everybody goes to the beach with a bottle of wine. Uh, people are enjoying sunset. But, you know, for me, I wanted something bigger. Like I wanted that hustle. But then I knew that the U.S. is is good. But then it's not as like there's more opportunities in Canada because it's more undiscovered as of now. Like there's more business opportunities just because the market is also uh, quite interesting. But it's not... Uh, as competitive as the U.S., it's not as hard to get through as in in the U.S. So uh, therefore, and also the accent, like to be honest with you, the Kiwi accent, I struggle very much. So, <laughs> so I just I just wanted to be in North America, but For then sure. again, 
Canada was in the way. Yeah, don't tell my brother that he's from. He was born in Wellington, so he's oh, not going to agree yeah. with you on that. And I was born in Australia. I was born in Sydney. So oh, you told me you're so multinational too. Look at you. <laughs> I know, I know. I just you know we're we're part of this. We're cut from the same cloth. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you you realize that Canada was an opportunity for you and for you to start a business. You come to Canada, and then what has your experience? Obviously, the pandemic hits, and you want to start this online community. Um, for international students. So what does your journey look like through both of these businesses? Was it, we already talked about the kind of constructive feedback and you had to reiterate, but was it smooth sailing for you? Like, was it just incremental steps and, you know, you didn't face any boundaries or or, or rough waters or was it kind of, it, you had to overcome constant, um, constant boundaries? Yeah, and I think the biggest boundary, like it's, first of all, it's never been smooth sailing for me. It's always been, uh, difficult from the beginning just because you're starting something new as I said it's like you know trying to push that rock up the hill but at the same time it's mostly mental and the challenges you have because you're questioning yourself am I doing the right thing with my time uh, maybe there's something else I could be doing that brings more value and impact um, and then, you know, there's people that tell you it's not going to work out because look at your numbers, like you only have uh, 95 subscribers or something. Um, and again, like, for example, that was my, my dad. I remember how he told me in uh, three months after doing this, he was like, you've already wasted so much time. Like it's time to find a real job or do something productive. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, again, he is not qualified enough to give me that advice because he doesn't bring enough knowledge to the table since he hasn't done it himself maybe if he was like a successful uh, community builder influencer whatever you want to call it then probably I would have listened more but uh, I was also sure that because some people are texting me like it was very little maybe it would be like one or two dms a week somebody would say oh your video helped me so much how about this problem like how can i overcome this so it told me that there is demand there's people who need this stuff so i thought okay so eventually somehow i'm gonna monetize it but for now let's just keep like delivering for free 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 and then you know over time as you again iterate as you improve what you do if, if you're trying to always learn how can i make it just like 1% better over time, uh, it gets to more people. And over time, you get that virality that you're looking for. But anything good takes time. You, you've touched on this once or twice already, ego. What what has your ego done for you? It seems like your ego is the biggest, not you, but the ego in terms of the concept. It seems like the ego has been the biggest um, source of like resistance or it's been the biggest kind of um, antagonist for you. So can you speak to how your ego has like changed over time throughout the construction of this business and how you perceive your ego now and, and how you could, how you kind of um, dissolve it in a sense? Yeah, I think in general, it's like the more you learn, the more you understand how little you know. Um, and the same goes for ego. <laughs> like it's it's like the the more you do something like a business like this, the more you understand that there is like a bigger fish, and then there is more things to accomplish that you're not essentially 
on top of the world, you know, and your stuff is not necessarily good because you think it is good. It's very subjective. You need to zoom out and look at your community in general or like other people, what their feedback is, and then compare that to what you think is and then shift a little bit side by, because you don't need to like essentially change who you are just because of your community. Uh, but I am a strong believer in incremental changes and making small steps towards, uh, again, a different version. And your ego is just a big enemy in general if you don't know how to control it because um, it can stop you from progress. And then eventually you give up because you think, oh, it's not working out. But maybe it's just because you don't want to listen to other people uh, who matter. Again, so listen to people who matter not uh, those that don't have any like value in it so if it's your community members and if they're bringing uh, some kind of experience too like if they're also going through a similar process or they're at the very beginning of the process like for example you're an international student you're moving to canada uh now you're just in your home country filling out some visas and stuff like that uh, that person can bring a lot to the table unlike a person who um, has never done it for example i have this video about the u.s versus canada uh, and there's a lot of Americans who don't like what I'm saying because it's like, you know, some um, truths that I subjectively found and they 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 bring a lot of hatred towards that because they fear to be, again, ego, ego, because they fear to that their country is worse or that they are... Um, that they are so insignificant they have to speak about something online that brings other people down yeah no 100 percent. it's it's been a it's been a battle for me as well to kind of not listen to the ego because your ego is again it's it's a part of you it's a part of your psyche and so it makes sense some of the time and it, it takes a lot of metacognition to just push it away and, and continue to focus on what you're doing obviously you brought up community what is your hope for the future of Canada for yourself and for your community? I think Canada is only at the beginning of its economical development and there is way more to to do. Uh, and I think immigrants uh, will be that force driving it forward. I think that Canada has um, a lot of potential. Um, right now, it's the ninth largest economy in the world, but uh, I think it can go up the list, even though projections say that it's probably going to go the other way. But then with immigration, with what immigrants bring to the country, with the talent, the progress, um, my community, I believe, uh, people that move to, to a different country in general, not even Canada, uh, they are very driven and very resilient. And that's the quality that will will make them leaders, be it in business or governance, like perhaps um, you move to Canada and eventually you become a member of parliament or you get elected to a city council. I know somebody who's running for city council of Halifax uh, and they're an immigrant. This person moved here uh, 12 years ago. So now after all of that struggle, resilience, uh, the story that the person has uh, turned her into somebody very strong and determined to to change things. So I think in general, 10 years from now, first of all, projections, numbers, 
numbers say that immigrant uh, population will grow and it might be even half of Canada. So like half of Canada will be first generation immigrants. And these immigrants over time, as I said, uh, build businesses, employ people, become uh, community leaders. So I just want to be a part of their um, journey. That's why I started Immigrant Wealth, because I realized it's not just immigration. It doesn't end there. It's just the beginning. You know, you move here, you get permanent residency, citizenship. But then uh, what's next, right? How do you uh, take that and turn it into success? Right, right. So you talked about, well, you talked about business, you've talked about finance, you're a member of Generation Z, um, like myself. And so what advice would you give to a member of Generation Z about business, about finance, about life in general? This Sunday, so the day after tomorrow, I'm about to make some big enemies uh, in uh, Gen, what is the one before Gen Z, uh, Gen... Uh... Um, uh, millennials gen y millennials yeah millennials or even before that because i'm making this video about how chat gpt can make your letter of explanation and letter of explanation is a legal document you need to attach to your profile when you apply for a study permit so essentially there's a lot of lawyers consultants including my own firm we make money of people not really knowing how to do it but I believe that mm, progress is bigger than that. And I'd rather be on the side of progress than yeah. trying to hold it back. So I'm going to share publicly how you don't need lawyers, consultants, um, how you can make a letter of explanation using it, like explain section by section. So it's like a free course, I would say, or something of that sort. But then also it's going to undermine the value of immigration lawyers, consultants, and I think going back to your question, it's important that you look at the way things are done today and see like what the previous generation or generations have been doing wrong or what can be improved and try to work in that area. But, you know, be specific. So, for example, for me, it's student immigration. I'm talking about how to use AI in student immigration now. Uh, because this is something new and uh, it hasn't been done by the previous generations because the technology wasn't available or whatever other reasons. So try to disrupt your area. That's my biggest advice. Well, I just want to touch on chat GPT because it feels like the entire world is talking about it. Just like, I, I don't know how much you're, um, how much you're comfortable with like the, the technicalities of artificial intelligence. We can just speak to the broader concepts, but like, how do you feel about this technology? Because in my, from my perspective, I mean, the last time something generated this kind of buzz was, I think, back in July or August when the Colorado State Fair gave the first prize to an AI-generated um, art piece. And then everybody started talking about, you know, um, art generators, artificial intelligence, all of this, you know, all of this uh, conundrum. And then now people are over the moon with this chat GPT technology constantly on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, people are discovering literally how powerful it is and students are using it, uh, fortunately or not for teachers. Um, so what do you think about um, this, I guess, new wave of powerful artificial intelligence tools? There's always two sides, as I said before. I think in general, it's good because it's going to help make our lives better. But then on the flip side of it, it removes um, a lot of cognitive workers, like people that use their brain to to do things and not necessarily something creative, but more like, you know, um, people in IT software engineers where they write a piece of code that is um, 
So the idea is brought by the project manager or whoever on the team, or like, let's say that I want to make a platform like Airbnb, then I need to convey my idea to uh, the project manager, then they uh, explain it to the uh, programmers. But then how about we remove that need to, to re-explain everything? How about we just remove the middleman and uh, tell AI to create it and explain exactly what it has to be? Um, that that's one thing to look at it. Uh, so I think it's going to probably eliminate the need of some technical workers. But then another side is it's only AI. It's not SI, not super intelligence. It's not something crazy, right? It's just yep. an assistant, essentially, it's assistant to what you do anyway. So the way, as I said in the video, as I'm going to explain, to make a letter of explanation, you can't just ask it to write it. You need to be specific, like section by section, and then you work with it. You don't just let it write everything and then you copy and paste. You need to still add some stuff to it. But in general, it's just a way to maximize your time. So you work less, but you get the same output. Uh, what do you think about I mean, we we're tiptoeing around automation, so I guess I'll directly ask you: What do you think about the prospect of automation um, with artificial intelligence and robotics? It could be for Gen Z, it could be for international students, and in your online community, are you worried about it? Are you thinking about it? What What's your take on it? If I'm worried about automation, yeah, I think it's good in general. Like it's gonna make you uncomfortable at first, just like you know, uh, driving a car is. But then as you learn it, it's actually good because you get around faster. I think it's the same with automation. Interesting, interesting. Like you, you perceive it as an uncomfortable transition that will result in like a net positive for society. I think so. It's just gonna maximize the time we have. Like it's it's more about I guess eliminating the need. Like. For example, um, we have uh, tools like Calendly to schedule meetings, so there is no back and forth. Um, so it's the same thing, essentially, where it makes our lives easier. But again, it's not as developed yet. So right now, it's not dangerous. I don't think so. But then maybe over time, if we get to something more serious, then it might be... Um, dangerous to humans but what's dangerous to humans is uh, good to the planet you know <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it um speaking of the planet i feel it feels like the shock waves of the war in ukraine have you know been felt around the world um you know that in march 2022 or i think it was february when it actually started um it just like sent the world down a, a spiral and and we're still in it um, you being Ukrainian, and you spoke earlier about the the war in Ukraine, and you know your mom came over. Do do you like? Can you speak on how how it affected you initially? How you've kind of coped with it? Um, you have people over there in Ukraine, so you know it's it's a direct kind of influence on your life. Um, do do you have any thoughts or or anything like of the sort? A similar experience, I guess, would be if you get in a car accident, where like you're not um you haven't fainted like it's not something super crazy but then like you were hit let's say by someone and then uh, you just in the first couple of minutes you don't know what to do because like you haven't been in that situation if it's your first experience uh, I think it's kind of like that where it's never happened before and then you see all these fighter jets helicopters bombers over like capital cities um, or just major cities and then you you don't know if it's what's going to happen because it's essentially on one hand 
um, Russia has like allegedly the second largest military, but then when it comes to practice, as we could see in 10 months or 11 months that the war has been going on, it, it hasn't really made such a big impact in terms of what they wanted to achieve. They were planning to take over the whole country in like three, four days, and now it's been like almost a year. So it's like you get in the car accident first you're shocked but then you get up you call the cops you essentially fix the problem over time i think it's it's that so i i felt very lost at first but now i guess we're just adapted to it that's good that's uh not not good but it's uh it's a, a positive mindset to have about something so terrible and you know you were able to kind of um you know think about it and ponder it and then as you say adapt to it and you know our thoughts go out right. to the people of Ukraine. Uh, we hope Thank this you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say, oh, like some people are, like always have regrets about things that happened or they live in the past a lot. Uh, I'm not that type of person. You know, if it happened, it happened now. What can we do to fix it, to move forward? Uh, that's that's always the mindset I've had and the same as with war and luckily I'm not there physically so it's completely different like I see my parents living through it uh, but luckily they're in western Ukraine so it's safer than eastern Ukraine but again like it's just a different um, mindset I have like I never really looked in the past and like had any regrets for sure. No, it's a, the, the mindset you have of, you know, it's, we can't change the past. So we just have to figure out how to adapt for the future. I think that's yeah. a, a beautiful mindset and we can use it for automation. We can use it um, to help international students. We can use it for war. It's, it's um, a very generally applicable mindset, but Max, Absolutely. this has been, this has been a great conversation. I've learned a lot. Um, I'm really happy and, and excited for what you're doing. I think you're doing fantastic work. And I obviously this is only the beginning. You've only been doing this for about, you know, two years. Um, so this is just, you know, there's there's no limitations for what you can accomplish. And I'm really excited to see where you Thank go. Thank you. Thank you. Yush. It was an honor uh, being here on your podcast. I learned a lot too. I learned about the Colorado competition, how AI actually won. I didn't know about it. So, <laughs> so thanks for enlightening me. Absolutely. Okay, well, I hope we can do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Gen Z Diplomat podcast. To support it, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and add it to your favorite podcatcher. Also visit our other social platforms on TikTok and Instagram. I firmly believe that the more we talk about what future we want, the more likely we are to build the future that we need. Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope to see you next time.